0: in the heart of central texas it's the best of the outdoors podcast brought to you by texas fishing game magazine the voice of the texas outdoor nation i'm your humble host dustin von warnke the outdoor success guy back with you with another podcast and man am i excited to be back again in front of this microphone speaking the truth um talking about all things outdoors and um, Texas and beyond and I just I just love this show and love to have the opportunity to share this with you so we are beginning hunting season both seasons starting right around the corner here in early uh, late September early October uh, for Texas here it starts September the 29th and um, really excited about that and the the crazy thing that I wanted to cover on this podcast is is not so much you know the 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 catching and the killing and all the stuff that we talk about, the tactical and practical stuff that we talk about in the show. But I wanted to talk about, you know, some introspective stuff. Why are we we and fish? Why we do outdoor stuff. And I'm bringing a guest on on this show. I've wanted to have on for the last two years, I think, since I first was introduced to him by Blake Marshall, who's been on the show before. Blake ha- owns a uh, King of Eight Outfitters in Ballinger, Texas. And, uh, it's a fantastic guy. And basically, um, I, I've, I've really enjoyed um, you know having Blake on the podcast, but Blake introduced me to Zach Bird, and Zach Bird has a YouTube channel called The Zach Bird Adventure Hour, and basically he has uh, a, a channel that's about metal detecting and, and, and old Civil War finds and things like that that he finds in his journeys in the outdoors, and he does a little bit of hunting short films, which is what really attracted me to him and then he has uh he has just a a wide variety of other content on his youtube channel so i'm definitely gonna put the youtube channel in the show notes if you want to check it out but zach bird really has a heart for um conservation and nature and the the reason, the 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 sole reason that we hunt fish, that we get in the outdoors, and this is kind of a hunting podcast because the the content's around hunting, but this this covers fishing too. So don't tune out if you um, if you uh, just fish, or if you just hunt, or if you do both. I think this is going to be an educational thing for all of us, and just an introspective thing, something that we can kind of look within uh, before we get started with hunting season and uh, the guns and the bows get broken out and start um, start really going after it. I just, I really, really think you'll like this. So what attracted me first to Zach was uh, The Falling of the Veil, and this is about a five or six minute, uh, five to six minute uh, clip that I'm going to play that basically talks about did the wildlife it's a short film that he has on youtube i'll put the link to that as well and then i'll end this show with the call of fall which is another short film that he did both audio obviously because this is a podcast and i don't have the um i don't have the ability to show video but uh you can check out these videos in the show notes they're on youtube um they're readily available anywhere on your phone or whatever so that all being said here is uh the falling of the veil which is a short film by zach bird and then at the end i'll play the call of fall in between our interview we'll have in the middle and i uh, hope you enjoy it thanks so much for listening. here we go the falling of
1: the veil i was 24 when i realized the wild was dying the epiphany came to me while deer hunting one october evening such epiphanies rarely seize a man of the morning time i've found There's a frailty to morning light. It softens the hard edges of the world where the dew of night makes camp. Its angle radiates a white hue and illuminates the unnamed particles of vagabondage, the dregs of dreams, the frayed edges of night, both waltzing a final waltz. It glows like a lover's breath and curls along each beam like baby hair. During such moments, a poet can only sing October is spring within the fall here in Georgia a deciduous cacophony sweeps the hollows the vibrant yellows of mountain ash and bitter hickory and black walnut harmonize in splendor with the subtle bronze shield of the American beech and sweet birch fiery clashes from the northern red oak and American sycamore erupt and seem to disperse red flickering embers of the red maple, black cherry, and flowering dogwood. But evening light lands differently upon a man's heart. The harsh angle does not bring with it a new day. Instead. It rides on a thin veil of dusk, and as this veil drifts over the cacophony, the former colors begin to smear with one another in static noise. As night impedes, the observer is left looking at a muddy and mysterious scene, drained of its vibrancy. The wind through it whispers but two words, brevity and goodbye. It was during one of these October evenings that I heard a similar whisper in my heart. The words formed and lingered like a hybrid of mist and smog, a clumsy juxtaposition composed of forest noise and the hum of distant highway traffic. From my tree near the mountaintop, far away, I could see the pulse of the city. Brake lights flickered between invisible tree branches. Occasional horn honks shot outward into the forest like futuristic arrows. Faintly, when the wind blew just right, I could make out the golden arches of the burger joint below. As night arrived, I began gathering my equipment. I felt a weight inside me I'd not felt before. It was not tied to knowing I'd soon assume my position within the red pulse of civilization. No, I'd already come to terms with that epiphany at a younger age. This was different, subdued, like the impossible ideas that transcend the minds of children and twist them into adults, or the gray and gritty smear between erosion lines. As I made my descent and the city was swallowed by the mountainside, I looked out across the drained lowlands of the Etowah River Valley and saw great running, ghostly gray squares in the night look barren and alien, even from space. As I pulled my truck out onto the road, as my eyes squinted into the headlights of oncoming cars, I realized that these are the evening days of wildness. Although the deer still fear our silhouette and our scent, and a squirrel continue to bark at the cadence of our footfalls over dry leaves, I know in my heart that these creatures are static noise. They are echoes of a day when wildness could not be tamed. And they are caught just as I am caught. Somewhere in a dusky hue where history and the present moment tear apart and become strangers to one another. I still go to the woods. The wildest spot I find there is often in my mind, when I'm able to imagine the fleeting vision of how it all was before it all was not. Sometimes it's a Cherokee in my periphery, kneeling near a log, his turkey feathers quietly shaking as he draws his bow. Other times it's along the long lashes of a mother doe, as her fawn nurses the last few drops from her before the leaves begin to change. I haven't stopped killing deer but I don't take as many as I once did nowadays I like being near deer more than anything I think it's because we share a common awareness for one of us it's conscious for the other raw flame of instinct but for each of us it acts as a compass needle It keeps us alive it tells us when to run when to stop it tells us when to eat one to rest. The needle of the dough sends her away from me. My needle sends me after her. Sometimes it's to kill, but most times it's only to witness a brief muddy glimpse before the falling of the veil.
0: Joining me on the phone, Mister Zach Bird from Je- Zach Bird's uh, Adventure Hour, and I'm saying your name right, Zach? Yeah, it's Zach Bird. Zach Bird. Okay, Adventure Hour on YouTube, and you, uh, your, your slogan, I guess, is "Adventure is where you find it." Um, what, what brought me initially to you, Zach, was Blake Marshall, who's a mutual friend, and um, it's called "The Falling of the Veil," and it's one of the most. It gives me chills when I listen to it, and not very much stuff gives me chills. Uh, just the way you mix poetry, the way you mix short film, you know, the way you mix hunting, all which kind of how you got started doing all this stuff on YouTube.
1: Well, um, <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty, uh, loaded question. Uh, I, sorry. Guess you could <laughs> I mean, that's how my mind works. Like, well, I, I guess, I guess I could start with, uh, with, uh, when I was in high school, I had I had a desire to become a literature teacher, and um, I guess I just didn't really. Uh, it was is it was about two years into college that I realized that that probably wasn't the best avenue because that would require me to be sitting at a desk for way too many hours, right. um, and and teaching adolescents. 80% who were probably disinterested in what I was teaching right. them. Yep, and I, see. I would rather be in the woods. I would rather be out like adventuring. I would rather be out hunting. I would rather be out fishing, trapping. Um, so I, so I gave up on that dream, but that, that artistic flair that I had that, that love for language is still lingered. And I, I kind of found myself um, sitting, sitting in the deer stand, just riding, yeah, And I, I fell in love with, uh, Christopher Camuto. He's wrote, uh, he's written, uh, a fly, uh, he's, he's written a book about fly fishing in the blue Ridge mountains. He's written, um, a beautiful, uh, work of nonfiction regarding, uh, the red wolf in, um, what's the park in, uh, Tennessee Cades Cove. Yeah. I know the reintroduction. yeah. Um, and, uh, so, so, yeah, I, I've kind of found myself in this precarious, uh, place where like I love poetry, I love I love um the written word, but I'm also a deer hunter. And those two things have a habit of repelling each other, if you know what I mean. I do. And I don't mean that I don't mean that in a in a negative sense. I'm not I'm not saying anything about deer hunters. If anything I'm saying something about how the public perceives deer hunters. Yes,
0: that's where I was going to go. A bunch of toothless rednecks, as a lot of people think we are, you know. Exactly. And we're not sophisticated, and we don't, you know, care about nature and all that, you know. I mean, some of the most sophisticated people I've met are hunters, you know. (laughs) I mean. Some of the smartest
1: people I've ever met are deer
0: hunters. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm not good at, like, um like you, you if if I get to rambling just stop me it's fine if, if, you, if you hear me go quiet that means i'm I'm like a dog sitting for a treat I need another question <laughs> you need another
0: question okay that's <laughs> no. cool that's good to know no that's good and I mean the the thing that i, You know, the reason I wanted to have you on is just I like deep thoughts when it comes to when I sit in the woods, when I'm by myself. And, of course, I've got my iPhone and my headphones and stuff, and I listen to podcasts, listen to music, and I got stuff. But there are certain times where it's, it's the silence in between the space that is the most beautiful music you can listen to. Does that make sense to you, Zach?
1: Yeah, of course it does.
0: And it's just one of those things that, you know, really resonates with me is that that's my communion with nature or my communion with God or whatever your belief system is. And if you watch me on YouTube guy or on a, a Facebook, guys, I do a lot of these motivational videos and stuff that I've been kicking out. A bunch lately on uh, on Facebook, um, not Facebook live, but just Facebook video. And I mean, it's just me, you know, basically it's just kind of like the notes between the notes and music are where the magic is made. You know, the silence is where the magic is made. And that's one thing that's always called me about nature.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think that that's what's, I think that's why some of my best writing comes on the deer stand is right. because it's a transition. It's a transition between summer and winter the fall is i mean there are beautiful things happening in those deer woods there are things happening in the deer woods that i just i've seen things on stand that i just turn like after it's over i just turn around and i just want to i just want to like grab somebody by their shoulders and say did you see that right did you witness that but there's never anyone there you know yeah because it, it's like there's a there's an entire there's an entirely different world that's existing out there beyond the pavement, right. beyond the 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 cul-de-sac. Yeah, that, that that will fill any person with this this just sense of awe. Right. You know, and 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 there's so much to be said about just
0: how domesticated the human being as a species has become that's a good point nobody's really brought that up on the show before and that's a really good point
1: yeah and i just i just i i mean i make these I, i i have no political agenda i have no philosophical agenda i have i have no agenda whatsoever when i make my deer hunting videos on youtube i make them purely from like and and if there's any if there's anybody listening tonight that 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 has a calling if you want to call it a calling i don't really like to call it a calling but if there's anybody listening tonight that that writes they'll understand what i'm saying here yeah like no i don't i really don't feel that any writer decides when they write
0: right yeah i agree and i've written quite a bit
1: well that's well, well, you probably understand what i'm saying? I like, do.
0: That's why that's why that resonates so well with me cuz i've written books and ebooks and i've written um i author, i offered uh, authored some essays back in uh, college and poetry and stuff that i did back in college and published in paperback and then i um then i've written like you know seven ebooks for the outdoor industry. And i mean the thing with all that is that it, the it it just hits you and you have to get it out of you. Do you do you recognize that too?
1: Exactly. Like the image that always comes to my mind when I know it's time to write, I imagine a cat. I imagine like a playful kitten, not a cat but a kitten, and and just just imagine some twine up on the counter. Maybe somebody set it on the counter, and there's a little dangle hanging hanging off, and the cat's trying to get it. The cat's trying to get it, but finally, it hooks it. Yeah. It hooks it, and it's like whatever. So something happens for the writer and we're able and and maybe and maybe it's not uh maybe it's a subconscious hooking but something right. happened maybe it's just a series of events in a in a given day that, that places you in a certain mind state right. but you're able to hook that twine and then everything just comes unraveling on top of you and you don't really know what to do with it but a good rider is able to to to, to do something with it
0: yeah no, that's good. And I mean not everybody listens to this show's a, a writer. I mean, obviously we're Texas Outdoor Nation and we're um we're Texas fishing and game and, and we have a lot of people to listen outside of the state too. But I mean the thing that, that's really interesting about this podcast is I like to go deep into stuff and you know, it, it's it, it goes back to conservation, which is something that Chester Moore, I've had on the show a million times. He's our um Editor-in-chief jet Zach and and he basically you know I, I, it brings up this Rick Warren quote, which is kind of a Christian quote, but it says the purpose of influence is helping those who have none And in a way in in, a, in an action you know proactive state or whatever it's 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 our we're the voice as hunters for the wildlife, aren't we? I mean we're the voice that they don't have without us as hunters well, yes
1: well, I, I, absolutely I mean that echoes Altto Leopold all day long yeah i mean and
0: I mean, i'm not a big i'm not a big you know uh reader of all the leopold but I, I know what you're talking about
1: yeah yeah no, I mean, that, that, that's fine that's fine i mean there's a lot of books out there there's a lot i mean i'm not sure if there's anything that's been written about more um <laughs> well at least from my perspective than than nature and yeah. from for I mean even deer hunting deer hunting, like every time i I feel like I have an original thought, like there's probably somebody else who has already penned that thought, maybe not in the exact words, but they've they, they they've captured the essence of sure. what I'm trying to convey and um but i think I think that's a brilliant point that you brought up, and I think that we as outdoorsmen people that love nature and that um Have have like an unquenchable thirst to see these wild places remain wild, and to to, to not see cities encroaching upon it, cities until a, I mean, because if if we continue at the rate that we're going, I mean, it's it's going to be there's going to be a sidewalk stretching from New York to California.
0: <laughs> right, you're not lying about that. You're and I right.
1: Say, and I say that, and then this is going to be weird. I say that as a libertarian. And I think that that's why Aldo Leopold resonates so strongly within me because a libertarian philosophy says that, like, the free market is the answer. The free yes. market is the answer. But that's when the poetic, the the deer hunter in me rises up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, the free market is saying that we need Seventy-two thousand McDonald's between Georgia and Mississippi, and the deer hunter, the poet in me says, "No, we don't." And we got to find a common. We we have to find common ground between there, and we have to we have to wake up the. We we need to shake the core of the, the the people that we already have on our team, the deer hunters that we already have on our team. We have to. We have to shake them, and we have to let them know. Hey, listen like the way that society is evolving there's already in my lifetime like I used to could be able to hunt so many different properties and every year I lose a property yeah every year it's hard feeling
0: i've been there too in texas is mainly private land but i've lost a lot of private land because of landscape development you know over the years exactly. my urban property and stuff like that that i bow hunted on and that kind of stuff that are neighborhoods backs of neighborhoods and stuff i've lost because you know new neighbors and they don't want they don't want hunting you know and i mean we that's kind of the thing in the blues and that's why a lot of guys and a few guys listen to this podcast hunt public land and you guys know who you are and that's a reason a lot of times they say they hunt because you know hunt public because they they know that their chances are better than than knocking on doors and and uh or buying a lease exactly because it's cost prohibitive exactly
1: and i think that like i think that we're just kind of like on the on the macro you know i mean the the deer hunters know firsthand before anybody else in 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 north america they know hey the habitat's
0: depleting yes landscape
1: development like the hunters are the pulse right they're the pulse of the wildlife like the hunters are what give wildlife value
0: no it's true and it's that way i've talked about this in the show ad nauseum but it's that way in africa if if there was not hunting you know sport hunting in africa there'd be no value on those animals lives and those animals would not exist anymore you agree yeah, with that kind of,
1: don't get me started on Africa. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but i mean it's i've had a few guests that have hunted africa in the past and i mean you know I, I try to at least keep it kind of fast and loose because it is so true that landscape development is the first thing i learned when i was in hunters ed in 2004 was landscape development is a number one factor that is encroaching on our hunting rights um, yeah, and, 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 and a wildlife depletion and and that kind of stuff. I shouldn't say hunting rights, but I mean wildlife depletion as far as uh, wildlife habitat laws and stuff is landscape development, which is everywhere is booming right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I I just think that I mean any anybody who has grown up in a metro town like I like I I, I grew up in Bartow County, Georgia. Anybody wants to look it up? Um, when when I was thirteen me and my dad, we, we had access to all kinds of properties. It was not hard to go and knock on somebody's door and they would, they they would tell us, yeah, they're eating all our vegetables. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go get them. Yeah. But those fields and those properties have been replaced by subdivisions. And, and, and and I I don't mean any, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but when a, when a, when a, a County starts kind of, Rising as far as like the, the when the land value goes up, and whenever it seems like a, a suitable place for yes. someone to live, in reference to airports and commutes, sure. it, it brings in a different type of person a person that was not grown up, that, that they did not grow up around deer hunting, they didn't grow up or uh, just. They, they, let me put it this way they they were never told to go out into the backyard and wring a chicken's
0: neck and to right. bring it in right the country style yeah the the, the old school lifestyle yeah i'm with you
1: exactly and when those people come into uh, like th- this type of community and you knock on their door and you're like hey do you care if i deer hunt they're going to be like i feel those deer, those, yeah. deer are my pets. those deer are my pets
0: and my my in-laws live in a neighborhood like that very uh, large acreage not large acres but it's it's uh you know one to five acre lots and I, it's a perfect place for crossbow hunting if you want to know the truth and the yeah. reason why i can't do it is because other people feed the deer and there are other neighbors that don't want you on their land and, and i mean but i cut my teeth back in 2009 when uh i i got a connection through a family member to a piece of land where I I, I killed dozens of deer over the la- over the, maybe eight years, shot my biggest archery buck off of that piece of land. It was behind a neighborhood, you know, that runs across a creek. Urban bow hunting, you know, <laughs> but then new neighbors moved in and this house sold and whatever, and I just I wasn't I didn't feel welcome there anymore.
1: Yeah, it happens, man.
0: So I feel you, and and that's the thing that I like to talk about, and and the issues that we face as hunters is one of the things that we can do to educate other people is unite our own front and that's one thing i don't think that we're doing very well because um bow hunters versus crossbow hunters and gun hunters versus archery i do it all i love it all but can't we all get it along you know that's what i've been saying on this show for years i mean why can't we unite and have some things in common and fight the good fight together well
1: that's what that's that, that kind of puts me in another situation as a libertarian because as as a libertarian i fundamentally despise collectivism and 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 collectivism is something where just it's like it's like team spirit you know because to go to to reference Thoreau, i believe in the individual i believe in the individual spirit but if there's ever been a time if there's ever been a time to embrace collectivism it's in the outdoor community. Yeah. We have to support one another. Do I like uh, who's the uh, who's the rock star? Come on, Ted
0: Nugent. Ted Nugent. He writes Ted for a magazine, yeah. dude. I mean, yeah. so Be careful. Hey, hey. I'm, I'm just. Not, I, I, hey, <laughs> I'm just I, hey, man. He hey, if,
1: if, you, 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 you can you can you can you can my subscribers on youtube they know that that i will call a spade a spade and i'm not saying that i dislike the man i'm not saying that i don't agree with the man i'm just saying that do what keep
0: going with your thought you're good
1: okay um i think that ted nugent has probably brought more people into the hunting community than he's pushed away but i feel like he's pushed away people that could have been brought Mm. to the hunting community and that right there that right there is the crux and that's what I want people to hear because yeah. he comes across to somebody that grew up in Sacramento as, as, as fringe. He comes across as fringe. Oh, sure. He, does. Oh, he and, does. And, and, and like, we're not, tr- I mean, we're not trying to, we're not trying to, we're not trying to bag the, the stocked trout. We're trying to catch the, the, those native trout. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And, and if somebody wants to argue that point with me, then, I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll have a conversation with them. But yeah, that is something that really needs to be discussed because we really need to evaluate how we portray deer hunting yes. and, and and harvesting organic meat from the wild. I mean, it, it should, like, hunting should be viewed as eloquently as going out and harvesting mushrooms. Yes. I mean, as far as how we evolved i mean we're hunter gatherers right like meat should not be um alienated from from mushroom hunting or going out and picking blackberries it's the same thing i mean it's in our genes it's in our dna it's primal and when you want anybody anybody that portrays it in a way that 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 puts people off like don't don't let your ego go Right. Let your ego go. Don't don't let your ego get in the way because your ego, your ego is something that came later. That's something that came later. Before, I mean, after we were hunter hunters and gatherers. Right. Like. Yep. No, I, I, yeah.
0: Now I'm, I'm
1: with you. Yeah. I'm. I I digress here. I, I don't want to go too deep into that. No, but we're not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just saying. Yeah. I, I like I, I like him, but I'm just saying like from from a. I, I I I can see how he could be perceived from like, sure. some kid that grew up in New York that could be reachable, but then he turns on Fox News and sees this dude debating uh, Piers Morgan, and, right. and he comes across as just – he's like, no way. And right. then he turns that button off forever.
0: Yeah. Forever. He's not going back. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, that all being said, my whole thing is, and I'm a libertarian too. I hardly ever talk about politics on this show. That's awesome,
1: man. That's awesome.
0: I really am. And I've been a libertarian for probably 12 years now. And I mean, the, the reason why I am is because I believe in, you know, the power of free will, the power of free market, and all that other stuff. But I mean, it's good to find somebody that's like minded about that, about politics stuff. But I mean, i'm all about furthering the agenda of the hunting you know the hunting tradition down the road and that's something that i've been about with this show for a while is just educating people on talking to the right people and and getting kids in the outdoors which sometimes a lot of people i I tout that point all the time zach on this show about getting your kids in the outdoors but a lot of times if it's a kid of a neighbor's you know kid you know a a friend of a neighbor's you know heck sometimes throw them in the truck and, and, and bring them you know make sure it's okay with their parents and take them hunting i mean if they would have no other exposure to it that may be the only exposure they get
1: i remember i remember back in high school because um, i because i grew up deer hunting i, I my earliest memory my, one of my earliest memories was just sitting on a homemade wooden stand mm-hmm. no nothing to prop my feet up on i'm just sitting beneath my dad pretty much on a two by four my feet are numb and a deer walks out my dad kills it well I that, that was when I was about six or seven and fa- fast forward five or six years I'm, I'm I'm in middle school and I'm talking to my friends about hunting fast forward two or three more years I'm in high school and all I want to do is to introduce as many people to what I have experienced out there in the woods as I can and I've been doing that ever since yeah. i can remember ever since i was able to awesome. it, it really it it really happened once i got my license i was like okay well i have my license now yeah. who who do i think that i can like turn on to this who, who who do i feel is like susceptible to to getting this bug this virus that is like something that we've forgotten along the way who 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 can i <laughs> who can i And, and honestly, I, I have gotten so many people into deer hunting and it's something that like we as hunters don't talk about enough. Like it's something in us. It's it's, it's not something. Yeah, exactly. It's not something new that you're introducing into their body. It's something you just have to like breathe life into. It's already there. They have an ember deep down in them. I didn't even think about
0: that. That's good. Yeah. I like that. The, the, the embers already there. You just got to stoke the fire.
1: Yeah, you just you just gotta breathe a little life into it, man. I didn't even think just about a, that.
0: That's great, tech.
1: <laughs> I mean, that that that's that's what it is, though. I mean, you show me a per, you take you take, and and I I say this, I say this as somebody that's never experienced this, but I've watched some very captivating videos. If you were to take somebody and put them in Colorado during during the bull elk season, the full, like full fledged rut, they're gonna want to shoot something.
0: Mm-hmm. It's primal.
1: It's yeah. yeah, it's it in rain. us. It's in us, yeah. and that that and and the fact that it is in us, and and the fact that even even somebody like me, somebody like you, can can forget that it's in us, tells yeah. you how far we've we've walked off the path. No, that's and that's good. the me- messaging. That's the that's the message that we have to try to rephrase. That's the messaging that we that we really need to consider when we put our things out there and by things i mean our posts on social media like it's so tempting sometimes to be like screw vegans this is this this is this i killed this deer i, I this broadhead tore it up no stop stop all that because you're you're turning future hunters off yeah I'm, I'm not I, i'm just saying you like for foragers aren't like, I just walked up to this mushroom and I cut it stalk and I cut it stem and I just shoved it in my bag. It's riding on the tailgate home. No, that's not how
0: you have to do oh, it. You got it strapped to the hood. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got
1: this portobello on the hood. That's
0: right. <laughs> you know, I fun. mean, oh my you can't gosh. do this. No, you can't. That,
1: you, yeah. you like, and 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 honestly, like, I think that most most hunters if they shoot a deer and, and like even even quick kills even quick kills 30 seconds the deer falls down it kicks its legs 99% of hunters see that deer kicking its legs see that deer trying to get another breath and they feel like the d- deepest sorrow right the deepest sorrow And that's something that I feel that needs to be conveyed more. Like we're not we're not bloodthirsty knuckle dragon heathens. We are we we we're doing what we are drawn to do, which is to render protein and nutrients from our environment. And we cannot be sustained by plants alone. Right. We can't. I mean I mean, how many vegans, how many vegans have gone on a vegan diet to have their body break down?
0: Yeah. There's not enough protein or not enough meat. Yeah. Not enough
1: cholesterol. Yeah. Protein. I mean, and then then they go back on meat and they're like, Oh, well that that wasn't good for me. Right. That wasn't good for me. I, I, I have incisors I have canines right. for a reason you know
0: well and it's that, it's like like you said and, and, and you know I, it just goes back to the falling of the veil you know um, um, some of the words that you use in that short film you know you feel like the wild is dying I mean we feel like you were 24 when you felt you remember that part right you were 24 uh-huh. when you felt the wild was dying what do you mean by that
1: well I meant that for for a long time, I felt like well i think I think that there's a sense of naivety that comes with any twenty four year old you know sure um I remember parking on the edge of a uh it wasn't a main highway but it was a road leading to a main highway and it was and it was a hunting permission that I had it was eight hundred acres and it felt it felt i had i had been hunting it for five years and it felt like the wilderness, you know yeah. And for the first four years that I hunted it, I would trek back a good long ways away from roads. And I felt like I was in the woods. Well, there came an evening when the foliage was gone. And I was sitting up there and I, I, I don't know about you, but. I'm always the top I sit in my stand way too long. Everybody's always <laughs> waiting on me at the trail like where is he at? and I'm just convincing myself like if the if deer walks more, out, yeah yeah, minute. i can <laughs> I'll be able to see it I'll be I'm able the see same it.
0: Way, dude. don't worry <laughs> i pu- I'll
1: pull my bow back and I'm like, I can't see nothing yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyways, I was sitting there, and something came over me, and i, and I just I, I was i was nearly on the peak of a mountain, and i could i c I looked down and I could see brake lights I could see the golden arches of McDonald's signs and I was like I had this like like sad feeling come over me I was like this my entire life I felt like I, I was venturing into the wild I felt like I was getting away from society but like there's no getting away from it like this is what we are this is what we do we conquer we destroy and then I started imagining, like, well, how long is it until this eight hundred acres becomes four hundred acres, yeah. and Sublimated. how long before exactly? And that 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 led me on this this depressing, like, to this depressing mind state where I was just like, well, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. well, what are what are we doing here as a species? Because I don't see. Wildness surviving this, yeah. So. And then, then I started viewing humans, and I don't mean and, and trust me, I've already said I'm a libertarian, I'm not a Democrat, <laughs> and I, and I, I'm Team Human all the way. <laughs> yeah. I want us to survive you're, before I want deer to survive. You're in good if hands that means, here. We all love if, you. <laughs> okay, if that means escaping Earth and and becoming multiplanetary, right. sure, that's fine. I'll hunt. <laughs> I'll, I will hunt animals there. But yeah. what I'm saying is, like, what is the ultimate goal? Um, if, and and I'm sure that you have some people that are contractors out there and, and they're meeting the needs of people that are currently needing needs. But I think that we're at this precarious state in our species where we need to take a step back. We need to take a deep breath and we need to reevaluate what we're doing to this earth. Um, we need to really like reevaluate what means something to us.
0: That's a good point. Because go ahead no you go ahead buddy
1: um because Otto Leopold he 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 saw the importance of having wild spaces um, we have Yellowstone and countless other um, national parks and public lands like the he was the forefather of the public land movement and if it wasn't if it wasn't for him I don't I don't even know where like what the public land movement would be yeah and um and he was inspired by thoreau and if there's any listeners out there who are deer hunters like i, I strongly suggest go out and read Otto Leopold's sand county Al- almanac and and read uh thoreau's uh civil disobedience and walden read those books well, like you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your fellow hunters to read those books because they will they will fill you with an understanding, a desire to preserve these places. Right. Like, it, it, I mean, even if it means a community coming together, throwing money in a pot and buying a section of land and just saying, hey, this is ours.
0: Yeah.
1: Nobody can touch this. No, it's like, good. L- let's preserve this for the sake of no more cul-de-sacs in this area. I mean, mm-hmm. and we can do it without government. That's the thing. That's where the libertarian in me comes up. Sure, we can do it without government. We don't need government to do this. All we need is 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 a good idea, because well, good ideas. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say, you know, the Sand County, County Almanac was something. Is, is that? Am I saying that right? The Sand County Almanac. Yeah. Yeah, that all Leopold. I just it just rang a bell. Blake Marshall on this podcast talked about that being one of the most influential books on his hunting career, and I just wanted to mention that. Um, that's awesome, you know, because okay. that that that's one of the books I've I've skimmed through a little bit, but I've not really sat down and read. And I mean, it's just, but it's one of those. You're a hundred, God, I just love having you as a guest because this this is the same stuff that I talk about here all the time. That my guys are probably my listeners are probably tired of hearing me say it, but uh, it's, I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir here, man. You're, this is great. <laughs> so,
1: well, hunters hunters find themselves in a in a very Strange place because on one hand, I mean, I don't, I I mean, 99% of statistics are made up right on the spot, but I would say a large percentage of deer hunters are Republicans and Republicans are tied to conservatism. Okay. But 90% of conservatives are not conservation minded. And here I am in the middle between Democrat Republican. I'm just like freedom, free markets, and this weird little piece of myself that I can't let go of. That's like, hey, what are what are y'all? What are you guys doing? We need to like take a step back, and we need to preserve some of this stuff because it's beautiful. It is nothing that we can reconstruct. I mean, the, the human hand can, can cannot cannot make a swampland no. or a marshland a, a, the human hand cannot create the ideal uh whitetail habitat the human i mean we we're, we're inadequate we're inadequate and and i and i just the republicans call people like me tree huggers democrats call people like me bloodthirsty knuckle yeah. draggers
0: murderers.
1: yeah <laughs> right but I'm just—I feel like I'm just here in the middle, saying, "No, I'm neither of these things." But I want both of you to listen to me. Like, we—there's we, we, common ground between us. Like, we sh- shouldn't be—we—we—we—we we, 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 we shouldn't be polluting the oceans. We shouldn't be like like devastating our national forests—not national forests, but our forests. We—we sh- no. we, we, we have to. If we're going to preserve wildlife so that our children and our children's children can appreciate it, then we, we we have to put some value in it. And the only value that I've ever seen with any merit is through hunting yeah. and fishing.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And, I mean, the thing that a people that are on the other side of the fence, literally, that, that believe in... You know, that we're bloodthirsty and that we're, we're knuckle draggers and everything else like that. Because I, I use that same terminology. Um, they don't realize the sorrow that we feel when we stick a knife in a fish or when we put a bullet or, a, or an arrow in a deer. Um, you know, I mean, that we're, in a way, it looks to them like we're destroying nature. And I'm trying to teach my son the difference between that right now. Where we consume nature, it becomes part of us and then it gives us energy and i mean but it's that visceral bit of sorrow that you feel when you when you take that fish home or you you shoot that deer or shoot that hog or whatever um it's something that i don't think a lot of people on the other side of the platform think about you know uh that we feel that too you know we care about that animal too we care about our own animals too we care about nature and the further you know use of that you know resource in the future so well, I'm, I'm might, agreeing with your point. In other words,
1: exactly, exactly, and and what we have to realize as hunters, we we, have, um, we 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 need to we need to be cautious of how we phrase things, but at the same time, we need to be very aware that we live on a we live on a planet in which ninety eight percent of the people ninety eight percent of the people are omnivores omnivores Mm -hmm. that means they eat meat and they eat plants and i mean where we are not the minority but hunters have been backed into a corner to where we feel like we are the minority we need to rephrase we need to reevaluate how we phrase things and we need to give our our way of living a better well, we need to convey it better so that we can reach a larger audience, and that defies everything in my libertarian spirit. <laughs> but if there's one thing for me to to backslide on, it's that, because I feel I want I, I don't I don't want to see subdivisions stretching across countries. I, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't I don't want to see our oceans depleted of fish. I want to be able to take my daughter down to. To, to the ocean and, and catch some cell cats and a couple of sharks. I want to be able to take my daughter out and and, and take her into actual wilderness yeah. and, and to let her shoot an elk. I mean, sure. it, the, the, the this country, this world, really, and the, that that's what the falling of the veil was about. It's because I, I felt and probably more pessimistic then than I do now. I felt that was too far gone. Yeah. But kidding? I mean, it is people like Joe Rogan and Cameron Haynes. Even 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 though even though I mean I'm not the biggest Cameron Haynes fan, I will say this. He has he has brought a lot of people into hunting. And so is Joe Rogan. It's people on the fr- fringe. It's yeah. people that you wouldn't expect to get into the hobby. Um, those are the people that we need to try to reach because those people are the people that are going to, to, to shift the overall consciousness of, of our species.
0: Yeah. I agree. And that's
1: what we need. We, we need our consciousness shaken up. We need to be, I mean, we need to be woken up Um, because there, 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 there are a lot of people that have no idea where their food comes from. They have no idea what they're putting into their bodies. Right. And, Hunting well, is hunting's just I mean from some I mean I, I imagine you're like me, you grew up hunting. It's just something that is so obvious that you don't think to talk about it. Yeah. But it needs to be talked about to everybody. Everybody you meet. Be like, hey, have you ever have you ever been deer hunting? Yeah. Well, tell me about your diet. Yeah. You know that has this in it, you know that has that in it, you know how they're raised, right? You, uh, you, 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 you you know, your pork chops probably never saw daylight. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I could, well, what if I could offer you an opportunity to go out into the wilderness to harvest your own meat and it will die a quick death, much, much harmless than what nature would provide it being eaten alive by coyotes or, for, uh, uh, and I can't even fathom what it is to freeze to death, um,
0: or starve to death. You know, for that. Starve reason, to death, you know. yeah.
1: And and then you can you can provide food for your own family, and you know that it and you know that it doesn't have any you know, any antibiotics or any people people will listen. Though the the vast majority, ninety eight percent omnivore, the vast majority point. of people. We'll, we'll at least ha- lend an ear to it, and sure, they might not accept you, but it just just keep hammering, like Cameron Hay- Cameron Haynes says, just keep hammering, just keep pushing them. Well, just, but, I mean, e- every every time you see like a weakness, just be like, well, you, you know that you, you know that that's kind of uh, hypocritical, like right. No, you, I- you're a vegan, but you have leather loafers on. You know, I mean, just <laughs> just little things. <laughs> just just point. keep <laughs> just keep hammering. Just I mean, you you have to, and 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 every situation's different. Sometimes you got to handle people with children's gloves, and you have to like kind of kind of lure them into the idea. And some people you can you you can just be upfront with. You know, you can be blunt with. Be like, you you know, you're, you're full of it.
0: Right. And to your point, Zach, you know, well, the one thing I see that Joe Rogan and, and Cameron Haynes and Steve Rinella and guys like that are doing also, and not, not those guys exactly, but the whole movement of this fit hunter, you know, I eat organic, I eat, you know, lean protein, that kind of stuff. I'm starting to get more into that because I've started hitting the gym a lot lately and getting healthier awesome, and losing man. weight. And, and, and I'm really, really, you know, starting to live that lifestyle of, Hey, I know where my meat comes from. And I would sometimes back in the day, back when I worked before I can work for the magazine, I went to go work. Uh, I worked in the school fundraising thing and all kinds of different teachers and stuff in school fundraising uh, at, at different schools. And one of them was a was a vegan, and I I basically told her I don't eat. I eat natural meat for the same reason you don't eat eat meat at all. I don't I, I don't agree with the way that those animals are treated. I don't agree with the way that you know um, you know the slaughterhouses and all that other stuff goes on. And I mean she we found common ground together right away you know what i'm saying just with that that kind of mindset
1: i don't i don't find that surprising at all because because and 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 that's something else that needs to be addressed is the vegans the vegans like hunters hunters put their crosshairs right on the vegan's heart which is such an easy target because their hearts are so big yeah their hearts are so big the only reason they're vegans is because they have huge hearts
0: that's a good like point
1: we, we should love the vegans because yeah. because the, they are they are what it is to be human they did like tenfold like they are they, they, they're trying their best to, to 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 not be immoral even even though sometimes they spout idiocracy and they they, they don't make valid points they're coming from an emotional an emotional place and yeah. i think that like Deer hunters need to find a way to approach that big old heart, and to be like, "Listen, you're unhealthy, little buddy."
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or I, like I do. Come with on that over one. here. Right. Come on. Come over on here. Come on over here. I got some, I
1: got some nutrients for you. <laughs> and and I, I'm I mean I'm I'm just joking here, but for real though. Like vegans. <laughs> vegans they they really do possess like what it is to be human, which is yeah. like like we're self-aware. we are 100 we're the only species known to us to understand like the pain that we like release upon other living creatures yes. and they want to reduce that. but but they have lost their anchor. they've lost their anchor that ties them to what it is to be human from a from a primal sense yeah and that's the bridge that we have to rebuild
0: and there's nothing wrong with us rebuilding it too you know i mean there's there's, absolutely not plenty that we can do as hunters to reach across the aisle and be I don't want to say bipartisan to not get into politics, but you know what I'm saying—to be to understand where they're coming from, and uh, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood—is what I'm trying to say. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's one of the seven, well, well worded as seven habits of highly effective people. I stole there, so anyway, um, but no, that's great. And um, so, do you have anything? I mean, are are you mainly a bow hunter then? <laughs>
1: You would think so. No, I'm not. Um, okay,
0: because I see you with a lot of bows in your videos and stuff. I was just curious what your what your main weapon of choice was.
1: <clears throat> I love archery. Um, this past deer season, as a matter of fact, um, it was the opening day of muzzleloader season here in Georgia. We have one week of muzzleloader season, and everybody in my little five square mile community was hunting this one buck. Everybody had pictures <laughs> of him. I'd been seeing him from the road at work. Um, I started to call in sick. I mean, I literally saw him like 500 yards from my deer stand and then uh opening day of muzzleloader season. I had a bow in my hand and he came out at 60 yards. It was like cracking daylight missed out. Doe came right in and he, he held up right at 60 yards. And I just watched him and it was one of the most memorable, mm. one of the most beautiful mornings that I've ever experienced. And then after the, uh, miss lifted, I watched him chase those 80 yards out of range for probably 15 minutes. And that was a trophy in and of itself. That's you higher. know, I'm not, yeah. I mean, it just don't happen that much. But if I, if, if I, I had a muzzleloader at home, you know, I had a muzzleloader at home, but I didn't take it. Um, but when rifle season rolled around, I didn't hunt on my bow anymore because um, I was kind of kicking myself for that. <laughs> but well, I don't know. I grew up gun hunting. Um, and I think I think old Donnie Vincent just made a big post about because um, he was archery only for a long time. And uh, he experienced a pretty profound gun hunt and he made a big post on instagram about it and, and i thought that was very admirable because that's something else that i think that shuns potential hunters away from the from the act i don't like calling it a sport because i don't think it's a sport i think it's i think it's life i don't want to call it a way of life i want to call it life i think that's what we're supposed to be doing i think that's what we're meant to do um and he was just talking about how he was a he was a bow only guy for for so long, and and how he went out on this rifle hunt, and how it's recha- it has reshaped his his like philosophy on on hunting. And there's just something about squeezing a trigger and and feeling a bang, and it just feels it feels right. And I've never, I mean, some people have felt that that. I don't even know what the word is that, that desire to, to put the gun down. I've never felt that. Like when, when rifle season comes around, I'm like, great. I don't have to, I don't have to bring a rangefinder. Right. I don't have to bring binoculars. I don't have to bring any of this stuff. I can just kind of just scoot on up the tree. I mean, Jesus, uh, a safety vest is enough. I mean, (laughs) come on
0: yeah i know and
1: and but all i mean everything i'm saying tonight i've thought about uh, a million times i think about this stuff all the time especially especially during this time of year when when most states in america are coming into their archery seasons well i might be ignorant no, you're you're right. No, I mean, sure.
0: some some come into September, some come in in October. Just about every yeah, every state comes in sometime around now. Yeah, for the most part. Um, okay,
1: as far as far as Georgia goes, we've been in for almost a week now. Wow. So pretty if pretty I misspoke, great. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're but fine. But I'm just uh, I just now I'm just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna smack talk rifle hunters. No. Because because what what good is that gonna do for for not not me not you but for deer hunting right what good is that going to do it's not going to do it's not going to do any any good it, it it will probably turn people off nah, because yeah. archery you, you 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 hunt with a bow
0: yeah i do of course yeah absolutely yeah well i'm more of a crossbow you know, guy than myself that's why i was bringing that up um oh that that's a, fine yeah that's that fine i'm a bow guy but i was just bringing that up because dustin ellerman one of our shooting editors that i've had on the podcast a few times he he was seeing um he, he got to shoot a crossbow an excalibur assassin crossbow at 100 yards at um at range day this year at uh, shot show range day i was with him and he said it's so cool watching that arrow arc and drop right into the target And I said, that's a mystical flight of the arrow. All the archers that are really philosophical will talk about that. Ted Nugent's one of them, you know, to bring his name up again. But, um, you know, just watching that mystical flight as it goes in and drops right into place. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful next to just nature itself.
1: You know, I got a video about the Zen state. Cool. I have a video. I'm going to send it to you. Um, um, If you like the falling of the veil... I love and it. And you're talking and, and you're talking about the mystical flight of the arrow. Well, I I, I wrote it, an entire piece. It's only like four minutes long, um, but it's called the Cicada Song because um here in Georgia I don't know I, where where are you at? I'm in Taste Texas
0: or... and we have cicadas okay. quite a bit. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you know that Cicada Song. I do.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I, I I I named it that because. That's all you hear when you're practicing bows in the evening. Yeah, <laughs> that's all one. you hear. That's all you <laughs> hear. That's, that's all you good. hear. Yeah. And uh, it's it, the the entire the entire piece is just about that. Wow. that 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 song ringing in your ears the entire time, mm. and the state you have to get in as you walk back and forth down the line retrieving arrows, going wow. back, taking a deep breath, and then eventually you can drown that song out. And that's when the arrow flies true. I'll send that video to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe maybe one day in the future you'll share it with some of your listeners. But to me personally, I think that it's a it's it's probably the best piece that I've written as far as um, outdoor riding goes, as far as deer hunting riding goes. The falling of the veil is it's a it's a little long for most people.
0: No, uh, and, and hey. we're playing all of it on this show I mean, the, the the thing is It just so profoundly spoke to me About the visceral act of hunting You know, just the fact that, that The wild is dying in the world and, and we've got to do something about it I mean, you just everything that you hit on Just connected with me spiritually In such a profound way I can't explain what that meant to me So, um, it's just like well, you, well, you and I, I were talking appreciate about it. The, and, We were talking on the same, same wavelength Is what I'm trying to say Sorry to interrupt, yeah
1: no, no, you're fine. I interrupted you, but um, yeah, and it's not just the the wild dying in the world, but the wilds dying in us yeah. as a as a species. That's and where I, I'm I wrong think, with
0: that too. Yeah, ex-
1: exactly. Yeah. And I, I figured you were. And I think that that's what we as hunters have a duty to fulfill. That's where we have a duty to fulfill is um, resurrecting that 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 primal. And I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but we need to resurrect that primal bloodlust yeah. in our species, um, not to where we go out and, 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 and we just kill without empathy, but but to kill with, um, or to kill with apathy, but to kill with empathy. Yeah, is what is what I meant to say. I'm sorry, I, know what I you mean. spoke. That's cool. Um, but I appreciate you reaching out to me, man. I hope that this. Uh, I hope that this this interview doesn't ruffle too many feathers no
0: i think this is good man i am think overall i mean you've got really great mindset and and just the way that we i i th- i know my listeners fairly well and most of them will will agree with most of what you're saying as far as reaching across the aisle to other people especially vegans and anti-hunters and then um you know just it's the stuff that i talk about on the show all the time i mean that spiritual connection with god or jesus or buddha or whatever you believe it's 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 just just the
1: universe in general. The universe in
0: general, right? I mean, the universal source creator, whatever you want to call it. But it's 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 such a communion for me, Uh, and it's it's one of the things I look forward to the most when I'm out in the woods by myself. Is that I just get to let go and just let you know, let all my stress and all my frustrations and fears and failures out. Uh, and kind of surrender them to the nature, you know, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is for me. So you've been a great guest. How do people find out uh, more about you? And uh, you've got a website and a YouTube channel. I want to definitely make sure we plug in the show notes.
1: I ain't worried about that, man. I just, I just, <laughs> I, 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 I all I want is I, I want deer hunters to be more conscious of, of how they portray themselves. And I want them to consider like, consider their ego and, like for the past five years, I have been spouting that the woods are my cathedral. They're my altar. Yeah. That's where I go to cleanse myself. And, and you may have some listeners that feel like that's some hippy dippy bull,
0: but (laughs) I don't see it that way at all, man. (laughs) it's,
1: It's true, man. That's, that's, that's where I go for cleansing. And if we can just, if we can just hang on to that, that notion that like, this is something that we're supposed to be doing. I don't care about my YouTube channel. I don't care about it growing. I'm making videos because I like making them. Sure. Um, I'm not trying to. I'm not going to plug anything. I just. I just want people to know that like I'm just some dude out here writing things that that feels right, and and, and I hope they kind of listen, and and not think that I have any kind of agenda because all I'm wanting to do is to is to see us survive as a species. And to see us be able to continue to to go out into the wild and to bring nutrients to our families. No, that's great. Whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. You go out to the you you will be able to go out into the wild and to bring nutrients to your family. That's, no, that's only great. that's the only thing I want to deliver to your audience.
0: No, that's fantastic. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Zach. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. You have a good night. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Zach Bird. Happy to have him on the podcast. Nothing that he was trying to say was all about him. It was all about the... You know the guttural soul nature that we have of 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 the wild the wild inside of us and the wild that's dying outside of us. You know, in nature and civilization taking over. And I I really enjoyed this interview. I hope I think it's one of my better interviews. And I hope you guys enjoyed it too. And again, this is not so much tactical and practical this week. I just wanted to talk about some of the. Um, you know, the introspective things of why we hunt and fish and, uh, just get deep with you for a moment because that's kind of where my heart and soul is. And some of this stuff is, uh, is introspective like Zach is. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. All right. If you've not done so already, please subscribe to our newsletter. Tactical and Practical Tuesday, Wildlife Wednesday, and the Texas State of the Outdoor Nation Thursday. Um, those are free. They're new content that our editor-in-chief, who I've had on the show many times, Chester Moore, puts together. And uh, just really great content pieces that uh, that are kind of a foretaste of the feast to come of the monthly magazine. Even if you live out, out outside of Texas, there's a lot of stuff. We call it the National News of Texas. Um, and it's for Texas and beyond. We try to make that big. We had a contest a while back, and we had somebody win from Oklahoma and two people win from Michigan. So it's not just in the Texas Outdoor Nation itself uh, that is only Texas; it is obviously Texas and beyond. And uh, this this podcast certainly is for everybody, uh, you know, outside of Texas. And I appreciate you guys that listen outside of the state for sure. So I know most of our listeners are in here, from what I can tell, by the demographics. But it is really, really cool to have everybody, um, you know, chiming in from uh, from other places. So if you're not done, so please contact me on social media. It is uh, I'm very readily available to contact and message my uh, Facebook profile is public. Uh, I've got I don't have a page for the podcast because pages aren't that big of a deal on Facebook anymore as they used to be uh, as far as engagement goes. But um, I do have my own personal Facebook profile. My last name is spelled W-A-R-N-C-K-E. Middle name V-A-U-G-H-N uh, Dustin is my first name, and um, look me up. Tell me you like the show. Tell me you don't like the show. Whatever you want to tell me, just just connect with me on social media so we can uh, we can talk. I also put out some motivational videos on my uh, personal Facebook account that basically just talk about you know uh, living and in, in faith and, and love and, and all the great things that I talk about on a personal level with people. And then we have the Texas Fishing Game Facebook page as well, which we've got tons of content on, over sixty thousand followers or so. Um, and just really, really good stuff. So I've got a really good new program coming up in, uh, the November, I'm sorry, October, -October mid-October timeframe that we're going to do called, uh, the Tex African Safari, which is going to be sponsored by Norma Ammunition and more on that later in the year. Um, but that's going to be one of our fall special digital programs that we're doing around, uh, hunting in. Texas and beyond uh, for big games, so I think you're really going to enjoy that as well. So anyway, if you're not done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. It is free; it does not cost you a dime. Uh, these come out every two weeks, just because it put, takes a lot of the a lot of time to put these things together. And I really appreciate the the, the time that you guys take to visit our sponsors and check out our stuff and everything like that. It means a lot to me, but uh, every two weeks on a Thursday or on a Wednesday is our little Easter egg over at FishGame.com. Our shows typically release a Wednesday before the Thursday, they release every two weeks bi weekly. So you can check that out and thank you guys so much for watching, reading and listening Have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time.
1: Every summer around July, The air here in Georgia becomes a blanket of steam Weaved with swarming mosquitoes Equipped with ticks that drop from the above leaves like articulate dirty bombs The distant laughs and cries of neighborhood children seem to hold the brevity of spring Which, too, was pushed by the indifferent sun to a mysterious, cooler place as dusk arrives, brown bats, in their erratic maneuvering and silent songs, seem to lure the children back into the yards. We, good parents, follow and watch on in suspended fascination and intrinsic nostalgia, remembering a time when the world could be contained in a small acre of land, when even the summer couldn't protect the fireflies from our primal urge to chase. It's always in failing light, beneath a symphony of cicadas, before the silhouettes of my children dancing the sacred summer dance, that I begin to feel it. And although I cannot yet act upon it, I wrap it up in all the beauty of the dusk, savor the cool, bloody call.